strategy, design, marketing, UX, digital, development. This is Agencies That Build, the show dedicated to leaders and teams that design and deploy in the digital world. My name is Casey. I'm a former coder and agency owner. And I'm Maroon, a better coder and an agency partner. Better? <laughs> Probably true. This show is sponsored by Galaxy. On a mission to help agencies grow. There it is, Varun. We're recording, man. We're live. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? Good, man. Good. We got we have a special guest today. Very special. Very special. What's the deal? <laughs> you because you well, brought him. I brought him, and I really wanted him to be here because um, one, he's a very good friend. Two, we have kind of followed the similar trajectory when we started working together. So it's been 15 years since we have been, we, we know each other, we have been working together since then. And I say similar trajectory because um, that's a time when I moved to United States and that's a time when I started um, ramping up, scaling up my business. Um, so when I came here, we, you know, we, I, 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 quickly started realizing how, how difficult it is to, 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 to build software with an offshore team. Um, that's the time when Jim also started working with us and together we learned how to face some of the challenges in this industry in general. So um, you know, there have been lots of ups and downs, lots of learnings uh, but we sail through. We we are here. We are um, fortunate, and we are. We are I, I'm I'm very happy that we are together and have come um, come along uh, so many years. So exciting! Yeah, yeah. good stuff. Well, like let, let's do the intro and get this guy talking. What do you think? I'm I'm jealous. You you've known him for 15 years. I've known you for like three months or something. <laughs> so solution architect, consultant, thought leader. Um, experienced in the world of outsourcing and startups and um, in the consulting world, uh, really specializes in t turning ideas, um, taking ideas and turning them into business, uh, domain expertise in healthcare, financial services, startups, president, SPM services, Jim Babcock. Welcome to the show, man. Woo! Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Dude, you have the longest introduction in show history. Uh, I don't even know if I can live up to that intro, but I will do my best. Probably you, not. If, if you don't, we'll just edit out most of it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, thank, thanks for being here. We want to pass the torch to you. Uh, this is our digital leadership series, really understanding, you know, what does it take to build the digital world these days? And so I'm going to stop talking and pass you this thing. Ugh, okay, here we go. This is Thor's <laughs> hammer. Take that. You got it? Okay, there you go. Got nice. It. Nice, strong backhand there. Um, take Thor's hammer and smash Varun and I some kind of myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Just set the record straight once and for all. Well, you know what? The, the one that uh, that comes to mind is uh, actually directly correlated to Varun and mine's work together. Um, everyone who you meet along the way who is disgruntled with working with someone offshore says that they have a horror story about it. Um, and so I guess the, the myth is that working with offshore companies is a horrible experience. And the reality is, it is if you don't manage it correctly. Um, you, what, what I find that people do or don't do is, is they believe they can take work and loft it over the Pacific Ocean and then it will miraculously come back as a delivered product that you were expecting. That just isn't reality. Um, it is absurd, in fact, but I, I think people get enamored with the idea that someone else can do work for them, but don't realize they need to manage them like they are right next door. Yeah. And yeah, so th there's an um, interesting adage that came, I think the guy's name was Tuckerman. Uh, it's the life cycle of, of team formation. And it, it goes off, it starts off with forming, then it oh, goes yeah, into yeah. storming, okay, and then norming, and finally performing. And your objective in building a team 
whether that's onshore or offshore, is to shorten those cycles that it takes to go between those steps and get to performing. And really the thing that moves you from those last two steps, norming, you can still do decent work, but you cannot do decent work in storming. Um, when you're in norming and you build trust and you know, you know, the only way to do that is to know your team. I know almost Every single person, even though I haven't necessarily shaken their hand, I know them by name. I chat with them on Skype. Mm, I talk yeah. to my family about them, in fact. <laughs> uh, one, one of the, the guys I've worked with the longest, his, his name, not only did I work with him the longest, his name is the longest. His first name is Muruguchi Tambram. Wow. And my kids get a kick you know out of that. that? Talk about Can you spell him. that? I, I do. M-U-R-U. <laughs> G-U-C-H-I-T-H-A-M-B-A-R-A-M. Varun, how do you do? 100% correct. Wow. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> As in, yeah. Wow. Okay. So you've worked, you've worked with him the longest, and he's the longest name on the planet. And... It, it, it's, it's the longest name I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> and, you, so... you don't even know his middle name yet, so this nah. is his first name. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, so anyway, working with someone like that, I know, even though initially his English was a little rough and now his English is good over the last 10 years, we've developed a language within the team, um, that we can get things done just like he was in the next room. And, and that's key. So getting to know your, your team is one. The other is developing a good specification. So if you're building a product. Um, you have to build a good specification or it's garbage in, garbage out. Um, the other thing would be um, you have to meet with them on the same duration. Even though communication may be challenging, you have to meet with them on the same duration that you would your team here. So if you're having daily stand-up meetings in an agile environment or you have a waterfall and you do once a week, Whatever that is you're doing with your teams here, you have to do the same there. Right. Um, and and I personally prefer in a, in most work environments the agile methodology where you break up into one to three week increments of work um, is a very good indicator that you are either on track or off track, and you're not going to get to the end and uh, have a failure on your hands. You know, th this is this is powerful stuff. Um, the idea of lobbing something over, lofting it over, whatever you're going to do, you send it over the ocean, any ocean, send it down to Antarctica. It doesn't even matter. It's like that misconception. You can't, you can't lob something in the, in the office over to a team and expect them to produce, you know, and now that we're all virtual, like who cares where we are? You just can't do it. That expectation just because it's a different team, it doesn't, doesn't change the fact that you have, I love you brought up the, the different phases that you need to go through with any team, regardless. Yep. It makes total sense. Yeah. Um, I, I know um, we introduce that cycle occurs again and again, as you may, you may know. So let's say we add, we're growing. So right now I, I work with approximately 25 people uh, in India. Okay. And when we get another project, we add five more. Well, that team of the new five, it, it moves right back into forming and storming. And we have to go through right. that process. But because we did it before, and now they can talk to the other team members, we can shorten those cycles dramatically. And it, hopefully to weeks instead of months. You know, that's a really key point. The fact that they, there's still these cycles. It's very practical. You know, it, it's like not magic and you add five more people they don't know that you add five more people anywhere they don't know right the, the right. you know stateside onboarding what do you, you hear like oh sales reps aren't going to be you know profitable for the next six months or give them a, a warm-up everyone has a warm-up cycle so it's not like we need to expect any different from a consultant anywhere on the planet yep yep and you know so one other thought is you you have to look at your team as your partner. 
And if, if you decide you're going to offshore some work and you put a contract that is so tight and stringent that it has no flexibility, it, it's not going to work. It's not fair to anyone. Um, you need a flexible contract. You need to be able to, you, you have to go into a project just like any other IT project knowing there, there's a stat that goes back to the eighties and nineties. And yes, I'm that old. Um, that says 80% of IT projects run 180% of budget. So. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 80% and of so projects? Would, yeah. So my goal is always to be within 20% of that budget. And I know that I'm, I'm over exceeding. So when I write contracts, I don't always tell my team in India this because I need them to be working to the original budget. But I put in a buffer with the client that says, if we're targeting $150,000 for the project, we need to be prepared that there can be scope changes and clarifications more so than anything that would be 20% greater than that. We will only use it if we have to, but we need to be budgeted for it. And that usually gives us that flexibility uh, which means we might need 20% more time too if we use it. Right, right. And I imagine this kind of real talk and transparency is half the reason why people work with you in the beginning. And if, so people listening, you know, you know, painting painting the world is this perfect picture. Like every project um, project's gonna be 100% exactly what we estimated, guesstimated at the very beginning. Nobody gets it right. <laughs> so we need to be transparent and flexible. It makes total sense that you gotta plan for things to change. And then it's not such a surprise. It's not a big contracting problem. Drama comes from it because you, you prepared ahead of time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. One, one other thing that's kind of interesting is um, we've been a virtual team since, since 2008 and the coronavirus coming in and putting everybody virtual didn't really change our relationship at all. Um, the one thing I will commend Galaxy for is moving the entire team virtual over the course of seven days was no small feat. And it really happened without a hitch. Hmm. And that's, again, they've been working virtual with other people. They had to figure out how to do it themselves and still continue the operations. And it, it it went extremely smoothly. Yeah, yeah. Th th thanks for um, sharing that, Jim. I mean, I appreciate that. But look, you you painted a very rosy picture of, you know, mm. uh, how to make things work or what needs to happen, right? Yes, you need to look at the offshore as your partner. You need to look, you need to do better job with the specification. You need to do more, a much better communication with daily standups. But, you know, all of these things sound good but in reality, agency owners, agencies in general, don't have all the time to do all of that, right? And you also must have learned from experience over time, right? Um, it, it was not always this way from the beginning, right? We have had our, um, you know, times when things were not going well. And, you know, it, it, it was just so frustrating to deal with them. I, I'll, I'll, you know, we, we, you know, I would like to bring some reality into that conversation as well. Like, you know, it is not always the good, you know, um, uh, you know, it, it, it is not always uh, that it, it will work the way you expect. So um, I would like you to share some of those stories as well about the times when things did not work. You asking for dirt, Varun? <laughs> yeah, because because too, that that is like you know that that is the reality. That is we cannot hide away from that. Right. Yeah. Um, well, so we have um, mutual mortgage clients, and the uh, when we started out designing it. No one on the team knew what a mortgage was because mortgages were not really prevalent to most of the software team. So they wouldn't know what an unpaid balance was or a, um, any number of the data elements that would pertain to getting a mortgage. 
And I probably, I, I own everything, by the way. So if, if something is wrong communication-wise, it's on me because I, the buck stops here. Right. But um, I did make some presumptions that they would have a better understanding. So we got part, part of the way through design. Um, and the design just wasn't right because they didn't know what it was that they were building. They didn't understand um, in the real world what a mortgage was and how it, it it's it's funny you can describe it in a spec but when it really comes down to building something if they can't see feel and touch it they're not going to design it as well as if they can yeah. so i have to get better at creating a video that the team could share um explaining functionally not just technically what needs to be built so that's one, I would say one thing is you can wind up with the wrong product. Now, if you keep your two and your two and three week uh, sprints, you can't get too far out of alignment there. And so you're going to see the problems early. Um, but yeah, functional understanding um, is certainly one issue. Um, I do have my checkpoints and I have to be up. Uh, with the team early in the morning and I'm oftentimes meeting with them briefly at night. And until I started doing that, I was not as successful as I am now. We keep those short. They respect my need to go to sleep as well. Right. Um, but on that same note, every, every negative has a positive. And the, the negative to that is I can go to bed at night and wake up in the morning and something's done. So I'm way more productive with a team that is constantly churning while I'm resolving issues, talking to the client, building requirements, delivering it to them. They're working on it at night. I wake up and things are already done. It's, a, it's really a remarkable, virtuous cycle that mm -hmm. um, when it's flowing well, it is, it is remarkable. Um, sorry, I, I know I'm supposed to go into the challenges, Varun, but um, so... Our first two or three projects, I would say we thrashed about 2009, 10, 11. Um, we tried to figure out how to work together. These were smaller projects, so it wasn't as big of a deal. And um, it was only through being able to fail a little bit and redirect and then come back and fix it. Um, did we figure out the way to do things. So we, we did have to thrash about. We we still have issues. And here here's a here's an interesting one. Every single October for the last 13 years, the productivity of the team drops. And I only tied it to um, about three years ago. I realized that there are four different holidays in India that occur in various regions throughout the country, hmm. where uh, it wasn't necessarily transparent to me that they weren't working on this day or, um, and it wasn't that anyone was trying to hide it. It was just a loss of productivity that I could feel. And it was uh, four days is, is what 20% of the month. So now we have to factor that into our plan. And it, it, I would say we would look at it almost like it is December for us where we lose productivity, yeah. um, theirs begins in October and we just can't have that same expectation of the same level of productivity for that month. What's the, uh, what are the, the dates? What, what are these holidays? Educate me. Oh, there are words like Muruguchi Tambaram. I don't even, I can't tell you the names of them, but Varun probably can better than I. Yeah. Usually October, November is the season, uh, is a Diwali. Diwali is like Christmas here in States. So around Diwali, there are multiple holidays that like it's, in India, it's like everything is so long, like a marriage, it's a seven day, you know, event. Um, and festival like Diwali would be like, you know, a month long. So yes, there are um, several, you know, regional holidays. And especially if you're, if, you're, if you're working with a team offshore and they have, you know, multiple setups, that, I mean, is what, one thing that was 
I, I would like people to take away from this is setting the expectations, right? If you are working with an offshore team and they have multiple teams at different regions, you need to know that not every offshore company will, will talk about it and they will not be very open about it that when are they working, when are they not working? And it, it took us a long time to, to, to make sure and to be transparent about it. Because one thing that I learned personally is um, transparency doesn't come naturally to in general offshore teams. Like they try to hide. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a normal tendency for them to hide, to, to, to not be honest about things many times. Mm. Um, they would hide mistakes. They would hide, they would say, um, you know, yes to everything, mm -hmm. right? They don't know how to say no. Um, it could, it is good and bad. I mean, when, when in, in IT world, when we are building projects of high stakes, right, we, we want to know, you know, what is happening, you know, how, how they are thinking, what, what they're doing, what can we, what can we expect, when to expect. These are the things that are, you know, very important ingredients for a successful project. It, it sounds very, um, you know, um, like, like obvious, but yeah. it is not obvious. Like, especially when you are dealing with, you know, offshore shops. So those were also some of the learnings that I took away um, over my tenure. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm still hooked on this Diwali thing. So, so is it, there, are there certain days like, Hey, December, the last week in December is absolute garbage in the U S um, not October at family 26. time. It, it's a great time. What's that? October 26th, don't, uh, don't expect anything out of your team this year. The, the past October 26th was, I think that was Diwali, right? So Diwali is coming up uh, in, in, uh, in a week or so. October 26th must be something else, the, the Shara, at least like you know, 20 days before Diwali. Yeah. Um, it's a mini Diwali, you can say, I mean, you know. Saturday, November 14th. Do I need to get you something, Varun? Would you celebrate Diwali? <laughs> yeah. Well, you yeah. should come to a visit house and see how, um, you know, we, we would lit our whole house. We will have, you know, those DAs and we'll have fireworks. I probably have to go to New Hampshire to get the fireworks. And, you do. You know, Live for your In your backyard. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. So it, you know, it's an interesting point you bring up, Rune, about the transparency. So I'm glad we're talking about it here. But ideally, to Jim's point, the team you choose to work with you know, Galaxy, whoever is telling you these things. If they're if they're really at the top of their game, they're letting you know these things. But if they're not, it's up to you to know these things. That you know, October twenty sixth is not necessarily a good deadline or the day after product re release. <laughs> so, it, it, are there any tips around that, Jim? Should we just not work with anyone offshore in no October, November, or do we just need to be aware of this? Uh, we have to we have to staff appropriately, and it, it, it's. As with everything, you have to realize where you need redundancy. Okay. So if you have a single person who understands an application and it's a mission critical application, they're the only ones there for support, you're going to potentially have a problem. But that's also true of someone here and with you know Christmas holidays or Thanksgiving. So everything always goes back to the idea that there must be redundancy in a role uh, in the event of someone getting sick or someone um, needing to be on holiday or taking vacation. You just don't necessarily realize it until you really need them. And, uh, and, and it, it happens. We have, um, between Galaxy and, and myself, we have 12 applications that are running in production that literally run companies. And so we proactively manage that issue now Whereas before something would be down and I'd say, where is Ananta? Oh, he's on holiday. Oh, okay. Well, that's not going to happen again. We're going to sort this out and we're going to be ready next year. And, and now we're, we're much better at it. Right. Right. The, the whole disappearing act doesn't work out well when you've got a team environment. Uh, good point. And, you know, I'm, I'm fixated on the, uh, the treats, Varun. So if you want to hook me up with some some holiday treats. I'll, I'll get you some Christmas cookies and we'll call it a day. 
Um, it's good stuff. Fun. Good stuff. Are, are there any other gotchas like this, Jim? Um, let's see. Uh, you know, another thing that, that Varun and I had to work out together was, and the entire Galaxy team was, what, what was a true software deliverable? Was it that the coding was done or was it that it was properly QA'd and ready for production? Interesting. Yeah, good call. Yeah. So uh, first, that's where the first couple of years were a little challenging because I would project a date that the team told me, but to the team, that was the completion of the software, not QA. And what is proper QA? Does, does QA mean that I um, can take one vertical slice through the application and click through without a bug? Or does it mean that it works on 101 mobile devices that are out there today with every operating system? And, you know, that goes to what are the expectations of the client? Mm -hmm. And we, we know, you know now to work that out in the contract as to what we're certifying on, what version of an operating system forward is going to be checked. Um, if, if it's going to be on IE, then we better have a lot of time for QA. Um, so internet, sorry, internet explorer versus Chrome, um, is quite a bit more buggy. So those kind of conversations are really important and uh, having them up front, designing it into your project plan and, and your cost, um, is, is critical. Uh, I don't know what other gotchas, um, you know, what, what, what are you going to do if, is is this company you're working with really your partner? So you run into a problem, you are late. How is that cost going to be borne? Um, and what I know is I give, Galaxy gives, and we always get to an answer mm -hmm. um, that's equitable. But you you have you can't go in and think I'm going to get these guys they're overseas and you know they don't their cost of labor is nothing no you have a contract you have to negotiate fairly um you need to be willing to work with every party and get to an answer that works for everybody it's funny even the, the smaller points of when is it done when, whenever we hit this milestone any good project management, you need to define that. It, it, so it goes without saying it, it's, it's almost like the gotchas will get you no matter who you're working with. These are, these are finer points of, of project management that just need to be addressed. When is it done? And, and now do, is there a bit of a cultural misunderstanding? Do you, do you see groups in India tend to think that it's done when V1 is sent, whereas U S thinks otherwise, or is it just custom across the board? <laughs> Let's, let's just say that if there is a wiggle room in there for someone to declare that it was actually done on schedule, they might try and exploit that. And mm. it would be to save face and to accomplish it. And it's not ever done with maliciousness. It's that they, they want to be represented as having completed the objective. Gotcha. So the objective just has to be a little clearer. Makes sense. Um, man, good stuff. Varun, how you doing? Is it time to roll up our sleeves? I think so. So, so Jim, we want to, this time I actually have sleeves to roll up. It's kind of hard because I got a fleece on, but we want to kind of roll up our sleeves now and get into really talking tactical and practical. We've already been doing that, which is great. And just kind of rolling into this next part is just understanding, you know, when it comes to design, comes to build, which we talked a lot about and also the deploying, um, any, any tips for best practices? Maybe it's in the planning phase, the build phase, or the deploy phase that we haven't already talked about. Um, if you have a great planning phase and a great spec, then your build phase will be much, much smoother. So I better, I better roll this up really far if we're going to have this conversation. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, but you can also get to what they call analysis paralysis. And, and all of these adages that, that applied in the late 80s with COBOL through client server architecture through the first internet systems, 
they all still apply today. And garbage in, garbage out. So if, if you start with a great set of requirements from your client and you translate that into a beautiful design, um, what I've found is the tools today for prototyping are phenomenal. And, uh, and the design team, the, the design center that Galaxy has built is exceptional. And they can prototype concepts in, in weeks, not months, that will give that almost guarantee that what we're building is correct visually. And then it really just turns things into a technical issue and build. So if we have a great set of requirements, we go through a, a really nice prototyping or proof of concept in one of the tools like Envision or Balsamic, um, and then get that sign off. We ask for the sign off from the client. We know we're building it, especially if we've done 80 to 90% of the screens in these tools. Um, so build, build is, is really just about breaking it down into those um, sprints that we talked about, two, three weeks. Um, you, you, if it's going well, the tendency is to not have those stand-up meetings with your team, but you got to have them. Um, you've got to ask to see proof that that sprint is done because the team may, of course, want to hide it, bend the truth a little that they may be done. Mm -hmm. So when I look at, at this, when, the, when I build the sprint plans, you've got the start date, the end date, the description, but also what that, what that key deliverable is, and it should be something you can see. Um, it could be a, yeah, go ahead, Varun. So I, I wanted to talk about the, the planning thing that you mentioned. So even before you start building or designing, you know, uh, how do you handle the expectations with the client on the disc? I've heard from many, many agency owners as well, where identifying the requirements from the client is the biggest hurdle. Right, and clients don't know what they want. They have an idea what they want, but they don't know how to write it. So they come to mm -hmm. you, and then who? And they don't expect you. Well, they don't expect them to pay for you to figure out what they want, right? So how do you deal with that? Like, how do you, you know, uh, work with them? Um, has like what has and what has not worked with you, um, you have worked with so many startups, so many businesses. And I know for, for a fact, like we have tried multiple ways. So what, where do you think you have found the, you know, the success? Um, and you know, what, what can other people learn from that? Well, I, I think that the thing that I'm not afraid to do is, is make that investment in the client. And it's, oftentimes meeting with someone who performs the, the most manual part of that job and watching them work. And if, if you're willing to do that and literally see the function as it is today, and then look at what they want to do and combine the verbal sets of requirements of what their vision is with seeing how they do it today, you really reduce the risk of what you're building. And that, that does take time and it would be wonderful to be paid for it but as you say, a lot of people want to know what it's going to cost before they will, will compensate you for that. Depending on the size of it, we'll do that. We'll do, we'll do that work with them to get an answer. Sometimes they come in with a spec uh, or an RFP, a request for proposal that has all those details. But most of the time, what we work with are those companies that don't. They, they have an idea and we bring it to life. Yeah. Um, and it's something that it, it's not commoditized. What we do is very specific, very custom. If it was out there today and um, it was a package software application, we would probably just pass and refer them to that application because there's no reason for us to be involved. As much as you know, we'd like to do it, it's not, it's not where our value comes in our value comes in, in listening to requirements, listening to business problems, defining the solution, and then building 
the sets of requirements that go into solving that problem. And, and the, the beauty of having done all that work is we can properly test it to know, even though it's been built offshore by a team that may not fully understand functionally everything that the person does in their day to day, um, someone on our team does. And they can write the test scripts to simulate that environment. And, and we do that really well. We, we are able to put ourselves in our client sheet. Sometimes it's seat, sorry. Sometimes we go to the client environment um, a little bit less in the last six months than before to um, see, feel, and touch what's going on and have that relationship. And then it gets far easier. Yeah, yeah. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and to that, uh, you know, fact, I mean, I also, what I have seen uh, that has helped um, us in this is because when you have an offshore setup, right, you can take that risk to invest in your client because one, the cost of producing that initial scope, the uh, you know you call it a wireframe prototype or um, you know um, MVP, uh, to get the client to a stage where you feel or they feel comfortable in going all in to build the entire product, right? The cost to get them to that stage can be reduced, can be minimal, just because the um, you know the, the you know obviously for 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 you know the cost of producing them is is you know in offshore is is less uh, but uh, that allows you to take bigger risk and and invest with the client so um, that that makes sense um, wow where does this yeah. go jim you think what's the future look like what what kind of things are coming around the bend opportunities changes, technologies that got you kind of jazzed and excited about? Well, we, you know, we get, um, we get calls all the time to embed uh, virtual meeting sessions like we're doing in Zoom into people's existing businesses. There's a open source product out there called WebRTC. And I think we're going to see more and more applications with a virtual session tied right into its workflow. Um, like you're, you're moving along through customer support, you can click a button and see a person and talk to them. In almost everything, there, every form of customer support, obviously medical field, um, we, we do WebRTC, so we have a great team that can look at the situation of a current business process and determine how to embed a virtual session into it. So I, I know that that will continue. Uh, coronavirus is here to stay or its successor. Um, we may have to crank up and crank down on controls like that and just be ready overnight to go back to virtual once we're able to resume. So I think there'll be a lot more investing in that area. Um, I don't know, Varun, you wanna say anything on, on virtual? You, you see no, it all the I, time. I think, yeah, no, this is like, so whenever, you know, a discussion around this happens, I always say that this is where being diversified in um, multiple domains makes so much sense. Like right now with the huge demand of WebRTC applications, you know, you know the, the growth of such uh, applications is, is growing like crazy while the other businesses travel, for example, is, is going so down. So if you are focused only on travel, you're doomed, right? Um, so like, so yeah, I mean, um, I think uh, COVID is here, if not this, like this has set the trend for future that, um, you know, virtual set in virtual setting businesses can go. I mean, it can happen. So I think um, this is where the future is uh, in the world. Yeah, you know, Casey, there's another area that everyone talks about. It, it feels like every software company is now an AI company. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants to put their hooks into it. Um, what, what we're finding is 
the algorithms to perform AI are, are really commoditized at this point. Yeah. You can be on Azure, you can be on um, AWS and throw a bunch of data into it and get results back out that predicts and you can use those results. That part of it is now easy. And the real question is, what do I wanna do with that data? How do I embed the results of that data into my daily workflow? And so the, the crossing of the chasm here is really leaping from the technology to its practical applications that aren't just um, you know, predicting in a chat session so you can put a robot there, but in fact, predicting health outcomes, um, determining fraud, uh, and, and, and a, lot of, a lot of other things. We, we're, um, we're building a startup called Story Analytics, and Story Analytics can find risk in a mortgage that doesn't, isn't quite clear. So by analyzing various elements of that mortgage and the servicer's comments and the trend in that mortgage, we can find that there is a greater likelihood of fraud or default or property damage or something that, that may not be quite as obvious. Um, so that process um, is very expensive to figure out how do I take the data I have and turn it into something intelligent. It's not throwing the data into an algorithm. It's preparing the data to be put into the algorithm and then determining what to do with it once it comes out is where the value truly is. Yeah. It, you know, it, it's, it's cool to hear it put that way because there is so much FUD around AI. So many people invoke the name like it's like it's a holy word, but really it's just bad marketing in a lot of cases. But that just that just hides it from the people that are actually using it to make some real differences. And the pattern matching can be amazing if it's if it's used properly. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I want to transition just a little bit and really ask you this question: uh, Who are you? <laughs> can you take us back in time, little gym days? Yeah, how do you have all these experiences? How do you know these things? So. Take us back in time, little gym days. Where did you grow up? Who are you? I, I, I might put your uh, your listeners to sleep here with it, but I'll, I'll be willing to share. Okay. Um, I grew up in in Detroit. Uh, Already asleep. And, totally uh, asleep. Detroit. No. See? Sorry, Detroit. No. Yeah, I, I actually grew up right near Eight Mile. So uh, Eminem and that movie Eight Mile was about two miles from me. I was at Six Mile. No kidding. I, I kind of noticed a resemblance to you two. You guys look <laughs> similar. You and Eminem. Maybe uh, I might know. start rapping if you keep talking. I might start rapping. Um, <laughs> so uh, I went to Michigan State University, got a degree in, degree in mechanical engineering. Um, I was an avid tennis player for quite a while. Uh, when I got out, I started to work for Arthur Anderson and Company, which became Anderson Consulting, which is now Accenture. Um, and from the beginning of my career through now, I've always gone into companies, taken their business processes, broken them down and built them back up to be more efficient. In the end, that's what we do. We do that just following the technology curve. So it was COBOL back then. It went through to client server. It went through to the internet. Um, when the internet was starting up, uh, 98 to 2000, I was working for an internet startup and uh, got my uh, teeth sunk in on working with startups and, and absolutely loved it. And even though the internet theoretically blew up in 2001 and two, um, I just retooled, took some time off and figured out how to go from working for a company to working for myself. And so from 2004 on, I've been consulting um, and doing the same thing instead of doing it for a larger company, doing it uh, for a smaller company. And SPM Services is a small company, but it has broad reach. Right. So okay. um, we've got 20, We've got 25 people dedicated over in India on Varun's team, but access to 300. 
Um, we own a uh, services arm in the Philippines, which focuses on healthcare. And so that team does more administrative services and our technology services are, are over in India. Okay. So we do health coaching. We answer phones in um, seven different languages through the Philippines. And these are all for healthcare clients. Um, and it, so over the last 10 years, it's probably been 15 startups. Um, I've taken positions in some of them and just built some and, and uh, moved on from it as well and still maintain great relationships with most of them. Man. If you were to look back, um, kind of a hypothetical, if you can go back in time and talk to yourself right after that undergrad, right, right after that, that degree, you graduate a couple days after in case you partied, partied afterward. If you can go back and talk to that version of you, what kind of things would you tell them? What kind of advice would you give knowing all the things you've been through and you've seen and done? Well, I'd probably say buy Oracle and then sell it in 2000 <laughs> and then turn all of that into Amazon and hold it forever. Right. Um, Man, you'd be a risk guy. Yeah. Just two trades is all you'd need. Um, I feel very fortunate in uh, the curve that I've followed, staying on the front end of, of technology, uh, working with entrepreneurial companies, entrepreneurial people. Um, I, I don't know business-wise what I might do differently. I, um, I, I certainly would have gotten in and out of certain businesses quicker. Um, I've held some things right down into the ground and probably could have had a liquidity event on it. But, um, you know, I, I'm so happy to be in technology. Um, I, I find the challenges um, interesting and fun and hard, but very rewarding when, when uh, the, the end product finally launches. Um, I don't know, you know. What else would I say? I, I live in paradise. I'm in Carlsbad, California. I probably would have told myself, move to Carlsbad, California. Get there soon, right? It, yeah, get there, get there before 99. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I really do feel very blessed. Um, the, I'm happy to be in the business I'm in. I'm, I have a beautiful, wonderful family. Um, I have great relationships with people like Baroon. Um, I know people all over the world, and uh, it's, it's it's really a, a a blessing. That's awesome, man. Have you you actually been over to India? Have you done any trips over? And, uh, and Baroon's gonna get a big smile and say, "I was I was actually planning to go this past." October and then uh, some things came up and I wasn't able to go. And every single year, Muruguchi Tambaram always asks me, "When are you coming? When are you coming?" Um, I have not made it over there, but five of the team members of the Galaxy team have come over here, and um, we've we've integrated that way. Mm -hmm. I would I would love to get over there and meet every single person who's ever done work with me, shake their hand and and thank them. Yeah, no doubt. Sure, we'll we'll pass along this message, especially if anyone from Galaxy is listening to this. You know, shout out to you guys. I gotta get over there too. I've been talking to Varun not nearly as long, um, but yeah, maybe we hook up some you know post COVID trip at some point. Yeah, when yeah. when we when we when we plan to climb Mount Everest, India would be our first stop. Is it? <laughs> do we do that to to Nepal and uh, yeah. on there? All right, so we'll yeah. give what eight years for that, maybe a little sooner. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should just meet in the Grand Canyon first, guys. You know, I'm, I'm sold on that, but I, I like where Varun's going with this Mount Everest thing. Just just don't be one of those people that are left up there. <laughs> exactly. It's a round trip. Do you do any hiking out in Carlsbad? I mean, you just did the, can the Grand Canyon, right? And how long was that trip? Yeah. Uh, the trip across the canyon is 24 miles from South Rim to North Rim. And it took about 13 hours. It's um, a so 5,000 foot elevation going up and 4,000 going down from the south. It was phenomenal. Um, I'm an avid hiker. I 
trying to log somewhere between 30 and 40 miles a week. Um, and I've got some preserves and I'll, there's a ton of hiking in, in uh, San Diego. So I love it. So are we going to, can we talk you into doing Kilimanjaro next year with us? I'd need to do a lot more training. You think? Ah, I got to start with Whitney. Let's start with Whitney. Whitney be great. You want to do Whitney? Be, beginning of the year? Yeah. Sounds like fun. You, you down? Uh, beginning of the year, it might be a little snowy. <laughs> I think we need a we need a spring thaw, and then uh, Whitney. Well, we got rope. <laughs> rope and picks. Right. Yeah, I just need ice axe and crampons, and we'll be all See? set. See? Yeah. And just be very careful. I got the crampons. Yeah. <laughs> have you done any winter uh winter hiking um there's there's a few mountains here in san bernardino um, san jacinto mount baldy um mount gongorio gregorio um they they have a decent amount of snow and i've i've gotten up to them while there was still snow on the ground not even knowing that there was on uh, one of the trips so that was quite interesting um but it was it yeah it's it's fantastic hiking here uh, uh it's just pristine most of the time you're wandering along a, a river that's running as you're heading up through a canyon and i'm sure it's similar where you guys are yeah yeah it, it is but i'm i'm you've sold me i we need to get a little let's get a podcast out there Varun. let's make this happen <laughs> sounds great Jim, this is this has been great, man. Thanks for coming on here, and I mean, I, I've learned so much already from this conversation. Where can people connect with you? What what kind of you know? Throw some URLs, sites. I don't know if you're in social, all the different things. Throw out some ways we can connect with you if you want to follow up. Well, I'd probably just start with with email, Jim at spmsvc.com. So it's Sally Peter Michael, SVC like services. Um, dot com uh, do we do we put phone numbers on here or is that uh yeah whatever you want to do man you don't have to but it's not like it's joe rogan where like ninety thousand people are going to call you right. afterward <laughs> yeah. just to harass you yeah absolutely uh well it's the same url to get to the website uh, phone number 760-644-2990 give me a call would love to talk strategize on on uh, ideas new businesses anything yeah brilliant Brilliant time, man. Well, thank you again. Absolutely. This has been a, this has been a blast. Yeah. Th thank, thank you. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate thank it. you for coming here. I really love to, you know, hear your stories, really the, the especially the horror ones. That's the one that, yeah. that I really want to hear. I wanted to hear. So thanks. Yeah. Well, share, share my thanks with the team as well. Hopefully they will get a kick out of some of the com conversation. That's right. Maybe, Wally 2021, huh? Maybe a little little party. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Thanks again, Jim and Faroon. This has been fun, man. This is agencies that build, everyone. We will catch you all next time. <laughs>